Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word and for the truth that is found in it. Lord, thank you that you have preserved and protected and passed down this word for us for thousands of years. Generations gone by of those who gave their lives so that we might be able to read and glean from your holy word. We ask, Father, that you would speak to us now. Holy Spirit, would you move in this room in spite of an inadequate and insufficient servant? Spirit, would you teach us? Would you speak to all of us in this room together? May my words not go forward, Father, but may your Spirit lead and speak through me. Father, there are many of us this morning that need comfort. It's been a hard week. There's many of us that need encouragement because we're discouraged and depressed. There's many of us, Lord, that have become apathetic and lazy. and We need motivation. We need challenging. So, Lord, I pray that you would convict us and comfort us in all of these ways. All of this is capable and possible through the reading, the teaching, and the proclamation of your holy word. So would you add the blessing of your spirit to this time now? We ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you, and I hope that you do, I encourage you to take it and turn with me to the book of James, the letter of James. It's right after the book of Hebrews. It is right before the book of First Peter. So if you get to Hebrews, you're almost there. If you hit First Peter, you went one book too far. If you don't happen to have your own copy of God's Word with you this morning, I would encourage you to take one from the back of the pew there in front of you. You feel free to borrow that, or if you don't have your own copy at home, feel free to take that as our gift to you, and you can keep it, and we will replenish it before next week. However you might be accessing the Word of the Lord, whether in digital format or in print, I would ask if you're physically able, would you please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's Holy Word? As we look together now, the letter of James will be in chapter 1. I'll be reading for us from verses 19 through 27. When I've completed our reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. If you are grateful for the word of the Lord, I encourage you to respond at that time by saying thanks be to God. Let's look together now at James chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person... Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed. In his doing, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, before God the Father 
is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We return to the book of James. We return to chapter 1 and we find that James continues to weave his instruction together. When we think about the book of Proverbs, we think about Old Testament wisdom. We think about practical applications of wisdom for our lives from the Old Testament. James is that for the New Testament. Practical applications of wisdom to live in Christ. And so it's very easy for us to approach the book of James and convince ourselves that there is some sort of a checklist that if we don't do every single thing that James has listed out in this book, that we are not saved and that we will not see Jesus. And when we do see Jesus, it will only be for him to condemn us. And I think for years, churches have fallen into that legalistic mindset of that is what is necessary. But that's why we began this whole sermon series in the book of Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. So what James gives us is practical wisdom for how to live in Christ Jesus. These are the goals and the standards that we are to strive to achieve. He begins in the book by walking through what it means to have suffering, to ask wisdom for that suffering as he has made his way on through. We looked last week at what it means to be angry and be angry in the correct way. To be angry at injustice, but not angry for selfish and prideful reasons. To be filled with anger, but to be angry and not sin. And not to let that anger dwell and to become bitterness in our souls. But this is tied closely with what we're looking at this morning, and that is to be a doer and a hearer of the Word. I love the way that he sets this up. Because in verse 19, you see, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. So that's the first, then slow to speak, then slow to anger. And then he launches out into anger for just a moment and putting away the filthiness and the rampant wickedness that can come from anger, be meek, but he doesn't leave the hearing alone. It's like he sets the stage for talking about hearing the word then moves into anger because that's the main point of 19, 20, and 21. Then he returns to what it means to hear the word and then do the word. So we have two instructions this morning that are very simple. Hear the word and do the word. And then there's a danger of hearing the word and not doing the word. But before we can get to the danger of hearing the word and not doing the word, we have to address something that's very important. You have to hear the word. Can everybody hear me this morning? You have to hear the word. And some of us oftentimes fall into the habit of not hearing the word. And there's a lot of subcategories underneath this not hearing the word that we can explore. There's some of us that we are here this morning. We are present. We are here, but we don't hear. Make any sense? You're here, but man, my voice stays at about the same intolerable volume the whole sermon. Every so often it goes a little higher, every so often it goes a little lower, and it just has this monotonous way of lulling you to sleep. And so you're here this morning, but you don't hear the word. 
You know, one of the reasons that we stand up for the main reading of our main passage to study, it's from the tradition of Ezra. It's what they did when they returned to the temple. But it's also just practical to help us focus. You listen better. I listen better when we're on our feet. I remember going to Israel with my uncle and my dad and my brother's brother, my man, my dad's brother and sister. We all went together to Israel and we went to the Wailing Wall. It's as close as they can get to where the temple used to be. And all of these Hasidic Jews were standing there and they had their prayers and they were rocking back and forth as they prayed. And I, I asked our tour guide, I said, wow, why are they rocking back and forth? What what? significance does this have to their prayers and and how their prayers are heard and they said it's a very deep and spiritual reason i said yes what is that and danny looked at me and he said it's so they stay awake they fall asleep when you stand too long you just fall over it's bad they have to rock to stay awake to pay attention to pray i said oh okay danny thanks wasn't really spiritual at all it was just very practical we have to put ourselves in situations where we will hear the word If you are not a night owl and you decide that you're going to read the word and hear the word of truth at night before you go to sleep, knowing that the later in the evening it gets, the more likely you are to fall asleep with your Bible in your face. Or my favorite, when you fall asleep and you're here and then the phone just smacks you right in the face because you were holding it. Anybody ever? They need to invent some sort of device for teenagers that do that in the night that just holds their phone. There's probably one. There's an infomercial about it. I haven't seen it, but... We fall asleep while we're trying to consume the Word. Or we utilize the time of day where we've reached our cognitive load for the day. Are you aware that there's a cognitive load that everyone experiences? You reach a point every day where you have taken in all the information that you can take in. Everybody's cognitive load is different. Everybody can take in more information or less information. But once you hit that cognitive load, it's a waste of time to continue studying for your test, to continue looking at the numbers, to continue opening the books, because you're reading it and nothing's sticking. It's just bouncing right off. I remember in seminary, I used to get up early in the morning because that's when I could be fresh. So I would get up at 3.30 or 4 in the morning to study before I went to class because once I got back from seminary and working at Best Buy and then coming home to my wife and then taking care of things around the house, I would sit down and I just knew it was absolutely pointless for me to try and shove anything else into my brain. I had to reset. So I would go to sleep and I would wake up early in the morning. Now that has changed drastically. I would love to be able to get up early in the morning, but... I don't do it so well these days. I still get up around 5.30 or 6 o'clock, but I just can't make myself get up much earlier than that every single day. I know that about myself, and so I have to plan when I will consume the Word of the Lord based off of what my ability will allow. If we schedule our time to read the Word of the Lord, to listen to and hear the Word of the Lord, when we have no more room left in our minds or in our hearts for information, for spiritual growth that day, well, then we're not really hearing the word. We're doing a great job of going through the motions, but we're not hearing the word. And that's different for everyone. I I can't tell you when the best time for you to hear the word is. I, I have no idea. But we have to plan so that we don't just hear in one ear and out the other. Does anybody have the same struggle as me that when someone is talking to you and there are moving pictures on a screen, you have no idea what that person is saying? It is, I am absolutely captive by whatever, I could not care less 
what is on the screen. But if there are, there are moving pictures and sound coming out, I will watch a QVC infomercial selling some sort of pot and dish. And it's just on the television over at my mother's house. And my mother's trying to tell me something. And I'm like, but that's today's special. I, I mean, like, if we call within the next 10 minutes, Mom, it's only $39.99. And it's only seven payments of $39.99. I think it's a great deal. Go get Ma. She probably has already called him. I can't focus. I know that I can't focus. And so when my wife tries to talk to me, I immediately will pause my phone, pause the TV. Hey, rewind 30 to 45 seconds because I missed the first thing you just said. I want to hear what you have to say. What you have to say is important to me. I want to interact with you. So I stop what I am doing that is distracting me, and I pay attention to who I want to listen to. That's how we have relationships in real life, right? Why is it that we don't treat our relationship with the Father in the same way? How many times do we approach His Word and we are professionals at tuning it out? We have become experts at reading a page and having no idea what was on it. Or getting factual information that never touches our hearts. That's what it's about, being a hearer of the Word before you're even a doer. So... If you receive text message messages from the church, you should have received a text message uh, about eight minutes ago. I was planning on it being at this point a little bit sooner. And it should be a text message from the number 22300. That's the church text number. So if you receive phone calls from the church and you'd rather receive text messages, 22300, the word alert. Text 22300, the word alert. And if we can get it to you in a text, We'll send a text instead of a call. So if, if you have your phone and you receive text messages, I want you to take it out right now. This is one of the few times a pastor will tell you to take out your phone in the middle of the service. If you received this text message, we have something that we have signed up for as a church. The church covers any and all expense to it, and you can benefit from it. It is an app called Dwell. It is an app called Dwell. There is a link in the text message that you just received to go and install the app on your Android or Apple device, you install it, you set up your own little account, but it's tied, that link, to Bethany. And what you can do is they have a variety of people dramatically and emphatically reading Scripture. You can set different music as your background. They have specific playlists that if you're struggling with anxiety, there's a playlist of verses you can listen to about the peace of God and about fighting against anxiety. There's a simple playlist for the season of Lent, for the season of Advent. They have different studies, easy ways for us to listen to Scripture. You can connect your phone to your car. I know most of us do this anyway. You listen to podcasts. You listen to audiobooks. You listen to all these other things. You can listen to Scripture everywhere you go as you drive. If we're not hearing the Word, we have no opportunity to do the Word because we never heard it. And there is a serious issue with not hearing the Word. Turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. If you didn't get that text message, I've already scheduled an email to go out with that same link tomorrow. So if you receive our emails, you can sign up by email in the same way. And I truly encourage you, utilize that app. They, they have specific readers for various translations it is a very effective way to hear the Word. If you're exercising, instead of listening to that tune that just pumps you up, why don't you listen to a little bit of James as you're running down the road? It'll help you out, I, I promise. Romans chapter 10, 
beginning in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Folks, that verse is more true for us now than it has ever been in all of human history. That word, the word of faith that has been proclaimed, is more available and at our fingertips than it has ever been. And for some reason, it is less utilized. We have more resources and more study helps and more access to God's Word, and we use it less. Do you guys know why McDonald's only sells the McRib at certain times of year? I know this sounds crazy, okay? But they sell the McRib at only certain times of year. One, because it's absolutely disgusting. And if you love the McRib, I'm so sorry, but I am not sorry about that. Don't eat the McRib, all right? If you take nothing else away from today, Jesus loves you, don't eat McRibs. But the people that like McRibs, for whatever reason, they go crazy over that silly sandwich. It's a rib sandwich. There's no bones. That doesn't work, okay? It's obviously not ribs. There's no bone, okay? Wake up, people. Don't eat McRibs. But somehow or another, McDonald's makes a killing off of these sandwiches. And you know why? It's because they strategically take them away. And then, after several months have gone by, they'll say, Hey, everybody, the McRib's coming back. Watch out. I'm loving it. McRibbing it. Like, I have no idea who gets sucked into this advertising, but they do, and their sales go through the roof. For some reason, as humans, if it's easy, if it's available, if it's always at our fingertips, we have a tendency to neglect it, to ignore it, to look past it. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8 says, but what does it say? The word is near you. The word is in your mouth. The word is in your heart. The word of faith that has been proclaimed. Folks, just because we have easier access to it does not mean we have the right to neglect it. We should be people who hear the Word. We can't even be accused of being hearers and not doers if we're not even listening on the front end. Verse 9, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then verse 14 takes an interesting turn. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And, and how are they to believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You know, it's incredible, this, this dichotomy of hearing and doing, right? If you don't hear the word, you can't do it. How many times has your spouse, your significant other, or your child, or your parent said something to you and there was no response in you? What is their first assumption? Obviously, you didn't hear me. How do they know that you did not hear them? Because there was no response. 
There was no action taken. How do we know that somebody is a hearer of the word and a doer of the word? Because if we truly hear the word, we will respond in some way. Salvation is not something that is compromised of our works. It is not that we do a certain amount of stuff and we are saved. But if we hear the gospel and it really saturates our souls, then we will do something. Something will change in who we are because of what we heard. That's the description right here. You can't confess and believe, be justified if you have not heard. But if you've really heard, then something will change in your life and in your heart. And so many of us, we must not have heard because nothing has changed in our lives. When you look at people who don't love Jesus and you look at us, we look remarkably the same. They have just as much access to Scripture as we do. They read it just as little as we do. They have just as much access to hear the Word. They listen to it just as seldomly as we do. So who are the hearers and who are the doers? Well, these days it's hard to tell. But I I thought you said, Pastor, that there's not a list of stuff that we've got to do. Well, there's not. But there's a list of stuff you're going to want to do if you've heard the great news that really exists. The great news that every one of us is condemned to spend eternity separated from the goodness of God. That every single one of us deserves to be tortured and punished in damnation for all eternity because of our rebellion. But God showed up, decided he wanted to write a different ending for our story, sent his one and only son who volunteered for the job and said, I'll take their punishment. This news is so good that if you really hear it, if we really believe it, it changes what we do. And I just wonder, has it changed what you do? Are you a hearer of the Word and a doer of the Word? Or are you not even hearing it? Those are the only options. You're letting it go in one ear and out the other. And I just I can't stand how James ends this passage. Because if we've heard the Word, If we're doing the Word, you know what will look different about us? Our religion. Religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Keep oneself unstained from the world. If we've really heard the Word, if we're really doing the Word, this is what it looks like. It doesn't look like having a bunch of meals and a bunch of get-togethers. It doesn't look like everybody's showing up at the football game on Saturday, on Friday or Saturday. It doesn't look like we do a lot of good eating and we collect some things and we give some money to some places. It looks like loving those who are hard to love, loving those who are less fortunate, loving those who have a hard time in life, loving those who don't dress right for church, loving those who should know better. Loving those whose kids run wild around the church and thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe they let them do that. Instead of having compassion and mercy for these people, our religion is defiled because we'd rather kick them out and get people who know how to act in here than the folks that need the help and the gospel. And I'm not saying this against you, I'm saying this against us. 
We have a country club mentality in the church. In Bethany, yes, and in the church. You better clean yourself up and you better look right. Well, guess what? Orphans and widows don't clean up well, quickly. They don't look right to our delicate sensibilities. And we're the first ones to cast stones at them when we should be loving them into the truth and the grace and the mercy of God. And what have we done but to make them feel more rotten than they already felt when they come here? Give them a a week, two weeks. Well, they should know better by now. They've been coming. They saw how everybody else dresses in here, how everybody acts in here. This is how they ought to be. This is what they ought to do. And maybe we don't say it out loud, but we leave this place and we start talking about them when we're sitting down for lunch. We want to get rid of them because they're hard to minister to. Because they make Sunday school difficult. Because they make our small group a terror. Because they're driving people away. And what do we do? We think, well, let's drive them away so that it will make church go smoother. I don't think that's what James 1.27 is talking about. And I don't think as your pastor I've been doing a good job leading us to live this out. I think I've been far too concerned with our church going smooth. And you know what? Ministry's messy. People are messy. I'm messy. I'm messed up from the head to the toe, okay? But I want you to know something. You are too. And each and every one of us that thinks we're not, that should probably be the primary issue we work on in our own sinful state. My counseling professor had a powerful saying that we had to say at the beginning and end of every class, and I hated her for it, but she's always been right. I have issues. You have issues. All God's children have issues. I want you to say it with me. On three. One, two, three. I have issues. You have issues. All God's children have issues. And when we're dealing with God's children who have issues, their issues might not be my issues. But pure and undefiled religion is the religion that loves them anyway. When our heart says, I know it's hard, but I want to love them and reach them anyway. And so church, are we hearing? If we're hearing, we will do. It's not a requirement for our salvation. Salvation was purchased on the cross. But if we trust that Jesus did that for us, if we have faith, and what God did for us in Jesus Christ, in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection. It should change our want to. And we should want to do hard ministry. And sometimes that means loving the orphans and the widows and the people who don't fit in with what we've got going right here. So church, just two questions. This morning, have you heard the gospel? Have you heard that there is hope for you in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone? Because if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hear that this morning. And if you've never heard it before, do something about it. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. We're going to have a time where you can come forward and say, I heard the gospel and I realize now that Jesus died for me and I want to do something about it. I'd be happy to pray with you and talk you through that process. But church, maybe... You're like me, and you heard the Word, and you realize you're not doing the Word. You realize that 
trying to fit into a certain mold. Our focus, our religion, has not been pure. It has not been undefiled. Maybe this morning as we go into our time of response, you just need to pray where you are or come down to these steps and ask for the Lord to help us as a church, as a body, as individuals, as one collective organization to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep ourselves unstained from the world. Love those who are hard to love. Because if you love those who are easy to love, how much different are you than anybody else in all the world? what Paul would tell us in Romans. How's your religion? Are you hearing? If you're hearing, what are you doing about it? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you for speaking the word to us in the form of your text, in the form of this Bible. Lord, we pray that you would help us as we seek to hear, as we seek to not just be hearers, as we seek not to be the people that study our face in a mirror and then immediately forget what we look like. Help us to be hearers and doers of your word. And may part of how we hear and do be to love those who may not fit in with us perfectly, to love those who are not easy to love. Lord, we pray that you would convict us. Father, if there's anybody listening to the sound of my voice that's never trusted in you, that's never confessed with their mouth that you are Lord and believed in your heart that, Jesus, you were raised from the dead, would you move on their heart this morning? Cause them in just a few moments to stand and come down front and trust in you. Lord, we give this time of response over to you. Spirit, would you move among us? We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord.